Hi, this is Graham Brown and welcome to the Excel Podcast. The Excel Podcast is a platform for the bigger conversations about leadership in the 2020s. Who's leading? How are they leading? And what stories do they have to share? Through the stories of leaders, we'll address the big challenges of our times from the era of AI to the Asian century to nurturing a new generation of entrepreneurs. If you're enjoying these conversations, subscribe to the podcast at xlpodcast.org. My next guest on the XL podcast is going to help us understand work, the future of work and where we are in the post-pandemic world. Now that the office is for most of us an option, how do you create a space that is mindful, restful and productive? Well, will the future office be more like a hotel lobby than the industrial cubicles that we've all experienced and grown up with? My next guest, Nitin Govilla, will help us understand that he is both a mechanical engineer and a leader in composite material design. And importantly, the third aspect that makes this all come together, a meditation trainer of 20 plus years. He's going to talk about trends in the design of public spaces and offices, whether that's the design that impacts our mental health or our need to connect with nature. Or importantly, as we've discovered in the last two years, our need to connect with other people. This is a fascinating insight into the future of work and also that how the future of office may one day be less distracting than the alternative, which is working from home. Hey everybody, welcome to the XL podcast. My name is Graham Brown. Now, XL talks about different aspects of leadership, business, technology, society. Today, we're going to overlap all of those areas above and look at work, workplace, mind space, mindfulness, and really explore what it means to create mindful spaces to work in, to create deep work, to create iconic pieces of architecture, materials. We're going to go down into the engineering level of how all of that works, all the way up to the top level. We might even touch meditation as well today. So it's going to be an interesting journey. And to guide us through the steps above, we have Nitin Govilla. Nitin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Graham. Thank you for inviting me and uh, looking forward to it. Now, it's going to be an interesting area. We're going to talk about composite materials. Now, a bit of background is that you head up Asia Pacific and Middle East, North America, sorry, Middle East and um, North Africa for Serge Ferrari. Not many people might know the company, but it's a 300 million turnover organization, world leader in certain areas of composite fabrics. You make the fabrics, the membranes, the awnings for big stadiums, fish farms, for parks, public spaces, offices, you know, you create these beautiful spaces. Now, your background to all of this is you're an engineer, I believe. Is that how you studied at university? How did you get into this space? Okay, that's an interesting story. So even though I'm a mechanical engineer, but um, I would say I've never kind of used much of that engineering, except I would say in terms of reasoning and approaching things, which you always carry because that's the first uh, professional education we do after schooling. Uh, I would say my journey into building materials started after my, doing my MBA. So I actually started with paints 
Uh, and then uh, when I moved to France for my MBA, thereafter, I've been working with uh, mostly the French building material companies, starting mm. with home automation, then roofing. And now I would say composite uh, materials for, for various applications, as you mentioned. You've got a very interesting CV, so to speak. I know you, you've obviously got the, the mechanical engineering part out, management leader as well, slightly entrepreneurial. And this is the interesting part, which brings it all together, a meditation trainer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's something that's very close to my heart. In fact, uh, I am lucky that um, at a very early age of my profession, I would say it's already now 21 years. So I, I, am, I would be in mid-20s. Uh, when I came across a meditation practice called Heartfulness Meditation. So I started that and it is an interesting story. I started in the workplace. Hmm. One of my sales guys uh, introduced me to that. We used to talk on our long drives in India, in the deserts when you used to go to meet customers. So he introduced me to that concept. His parents were trainers. So I, I came into this practice. And um, after a year, I also became a trainer. So my journey has been both meditating and also as a trainer, introducing this beautiful practice, which is heart-based meditation to people, anyone who's interested. Uh, and, um, and that's something I do outside of my work as a volunteer. And uh, it's, it's, it's really something which I enjoy, I wish to share. I love to share actually, uh, because I have been doing it. I feel very good about it and I see how it can benefit uh, uh, people and in various uh, situations and circumstances. And the interesting part is it's free. So, you know, there's no other agenda behind it to share with people. Mm. So I've been doing uh, open houses wherever I've traveled in India. Then I was in France and uh, last uh, 14 years I've been in Singapore. So across Asia, uh, wherever I've traveled, if I had time to share about this uh, uh, thing and be able to give my time. So I know people volunteer for various things. I feel this is a kind of, I'm uh, my kind of way of doing community service hmm. or, uh, or helping people. I mean, there's no better service in the world than to help people calm their mind, I would say. Absolutely. We all need it, Nitin, especially now. We're in a very anxious era, Absolutely. aren't we? True. True. We're going to talk about that in the context of work as well. Meditative space or space generally, noise, you know, how we can focus Work's very distracting and people are asking big questions about work now. Absolutely. When you were a young engineer and your sales guy pitched you the idea of meditation, how does an engineer's brain process that? Does that fit naturally with an engineer or is it with some skepticism? Well, you've touched, I don't know how you uh, came to this, but you've actually touched a very interesting point. In fact, in my experience uh, and when I started meeting people, who have been meditating the same practice, I realized I was one of the few who would have read, I would say six to seven books hmm. of the practice. Uh, and then finally I made up my mind. Yes. Okay. What do I have to lose? Let me try. So, so you're absolutely right. As an engineer, he used to talk to me, but that guy was a perfect salesman. I always tell him, I still meet <laughs> him. I said, the fact that you were able to convince me and get me to start to meditate Hmm. is is really amazing i mean yeah definitely you're a very great uh, uh, sales guy so yes uh, it was an interesting journey but it was something also when i came into it then i came into full as they hmm. say you know fully into it and um, i would say i never looked back what's the problem that we have 
as human beings, if you like, away from work, we'll get to work in a minute, mm. and the space, when it comes to needing meditation, why do we need these practices? I would say, as I said just now, that first thing is to really be in a space of calming the mind, you know. Um, our mind, I, I mean, I learned it after some years of meditation that we, as an average individual, we have nearly 60,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Hmm. Imagine one thought wow. every 1.25 seconds. And how many are... as well, I bet. These <laughs> are not new thoughts. It can be because, you know, uh, the thing is that what we know is only what our frontal part of the brain or the cortex tells us. Hmm. But there's amazing amount of things which is the limbic part of the brain or the subconscious is observing and noticing. And that's where it's, it's in the auto mode and these thoughts keep on coming. Now, if we are able to find a way where we can calm our mind, we can bring the mind to rest and also be in the present rather than, uh, as we say, a default mode network. You know, neuroscience talks about that, where we oscillate between thinking about the past or worrying about the future. So we are never in the present. So I think that element is really has, has um, I would say, worried all the individuals or humanity throughout. Hmm. It will continue to do so. But I would say the COVID has magnified that, I suppose, uh, because of the anxiety. Nobody knows what's going to happen. And there, if you get a space of yourself, even if it's for 20 minutes, where you can find the time to connect with your inner self, no matter what you call, you may call it intuition, you may call your gut, you may call your heart. If you find that space where you can connect and be within yourself, I think those 20 minutes is that moment of peace, which Normally, we may feel only possibly at the times of sleep, but if you can get it while you're conscious and alert, I think that sets the tone for somebody to, to then be able to write, you know, start with those 20 minutes. How do I expand that space around me or extend those times where even though I am working, if I have an opportunity to that, okay, I'm talking to you, but I still feel connected to myself. I'm doing something, but I still feel connected to myself. Then it kind of creates a different person or a different way of looking at things. And what would then that difference be between, for example, Nitin, who's done his meditation practice today, and then Nitin, who hasn't? How are you a different person at work? Or is it not visible? Is it just internal? So part of it is internal, for sure. Uh, part of it would be how you react to certain situations uh, or, or circumstances or people, you know? Does it kind of trigger you? Do you, you know, always look at uh, taking a step back or find first, you know, feeling in your heart? Because what meditation teaches you to move from thinking to feeling. So thinking is always the brain. It sees the facts. It tries to work in the white and black, the mm. right and wrong, uh, and all these extreme opposites. Whereas the feeling is pure voice. Now, if you get that and if you're able to feel that, then obviously the trigger, you're able to manage the trigger. The trigger is always there. Now, how you manage the trigger is the key point. And uh, so at times, yes, we also have to, I would say, create a facade that, mm. okay, at work, if you always calm and people keep on making blunders and mistakes, then uh, you don't want a situation where because you're responsible, you, you have to be, you know, you take the responsibility for that and accountability for that. So at times, um, you have to behave in a certain way. But the key thing is, do you carry that back? And that's where differentiates, where people may form impressions, carry that back, 
come back again to the same situation in person because of what happened yesterday or morning whereas if you're able to connect to yourself you know you had to do that but then mm. you've done that part the person has got the message then you again start in the same way at least because then uh, you are able to build on it otherwise you leave a trace not only on yourself on the other person also and hmm. then the it's like a trauma uh, isn't it exactly. like an emotional layers that build exactly. up exactly and that's exactly. why you can see those situations that happen in work or the office or at home where you just trigger and you're gone when gone. something small happens it's because of those layers that are built up but you're as a result of this meditation able to de de detach in a way or at least be away from that there's, there's some sort of space between you and the events as well and you're able to be in that moment and let things go exactly exactly and not only you're able to detach at that moment you're able to also find a way to find as we say uh, sometimes that you can rejuvenate and clean yourself of the burdens of the day so so anything we do as you really rightly mentioned gram i'm i'm sure you're exposed to some practice of meditation because uh, there's no reason that uh, otherwise you can be so profound in your uh, well, I point read, uh, like you as well <laughs> six or seven <laughs> books on it point of view uh, anything we observe and we pay attention to it does create a trace or an impression on us mm. and that then starts affecting how we work uh, in the similar situation the next day or or the next uh, person in that sense now if you are able to kind of work around it either detaching so the impression is not created or being able to find a way to clean that then next day we are kind of a fresh and a new person and mm. and then how we react to a similar situation will be totally different other than those people who have been conditioned have kept on adding on those impression and traces and then then that kind of defines them and becomes their character yeah, you react to it don't you you exactly. become this sort of victim of events if you exactly. like this chain yeah i'm really fascinated by this idea of meditation in place and we obviously we're going to talk about workplace in a minute and creating spaces um and i i you know i'm very curious about people's experiences when they're in a space and they have that very mindful or aware experience and for those of you that are listening you can't see the video of myself and Nitin talking behind Nitin there's a very beautiful um image of uh, an iconic signature piece of design in Australia which is like a membrane which covers a park you see this a lot in Australia don't you where they've got yeah. this sort of uv protection but it's very beautifully designed it's you can imagine sitting there is very restful mm. and meditative and you know I, i've lived in japan as well and there's a lot of these kind of zen gardens where you can go and rake the gravel and but you you can have those kind of moments and they can come to you where you stop naming things stop labeling things stop worrying about the bills and what happened yesterday and then you're just there looking at a piece of nature or design or shape and it just falls away mm. is that something that can be designed as what are your thoughts about that can you actually create that space in these sort of public spaces and what sort of mindset has to go into create this kind of mindful space or do I you have i mean importantly do you have those experiences yourself well i would say um now when we speak to as part of our business we obviously have to be in touch with the architects and the designer community and more and more we see people getting more conscious of that so uh whether it's outside space or in a space they're talking about is that space 
identified? Does it give a feeling of whether, I mean, obviously it also depends what kind of place it is, but people, uh, architects, they give a lot of emphasis on this design. Does it give a, a, a aspect of communicating the real message they want to do? You know, mm. if it's, it's a park and shading, do you feel comfort around it? You know, do you also are able to also be connected with the nature? Now, mm. this is a very important element I'm seeing in design now that we are beyond the times of only brick buildings with small windows and uh, and, and looking through it. Uh, you see, obviously, glass facades are one of the examples where you people feel to connect. Uh, membranes have come in outside spaces where you can create a very good enclosed space or an open space or even have as has uh, have it as second skin outside a glass facades where you feel you're still connected to the exteriors, but mm. you're also able to maintain your uh, sense of privacy, sense of um, being in a space that it's a comfortable workspace. Uh, you you feel the necessary amount of light, but you don't feel the discomfort of heat or glare. You know, so so you feel I'm outside, but I'm also inside, and I have a very good comfortable space because amount of time we spend inside enclosed spaces, maybe 80% of our work time is inside, mm. right? Then if you're exposed to artificial lights, which, okay, at times of the day you need to have, but other times if you can avoid, then I think it's very good for the body. It's also very good for the mindset and, uh, and the feeling of space. Um, and maybe it also, I would say, motivates people to come to office. Hmm. For sure, COVID has not made it easy. And there have been debates going on in different countries. Uh, companies are struggling with that, I would say, uh, finding ways to get people back to office also. But I think if you have these spaces and uh, some companies have taken the lead to create those kind of, I would say, co-working spaces, open spaces, where you have a way to interact, but you also feel that you have an exposure to the environment. Either you can walk out, Either you feel you're connected because of the design of the building or you have outside space where you can work, you know, underneath that, underneath a membrane, uh, you can easily work. You you get a good heat protection, but at the same time, protection from rain and everything. So hmm. answering your question, I would say, yes, there's a lot of emphasis now going in that. And that also puts pressure on companies like us, I would say, in terms of expectations. Hmm. Uh, more and more they want, okay, certain UV part, certain other elements of heat, uh, rain and other questions because people are imagining um, beyond the classical way of uh, doing things or uh, constructing maybe 10 or 15 years back. Hmm. Yeah, the expectations have changed a lot. Absolutely. If we go Absolutely. back a couple of generations, the brick buildings, the small square windows, we've all worked in those. Mm -hmm. And now the demands are almost like building a hotel for a workspace, aren't they? That, those kind of very... Well, involved in nature there's little separation between outside and inside obviously that's a lot more difficult to engineer i guess as well because you're now not able to hermetically seal all the elements are you and manage it right so you've got this sort of very transient and fluid working situation now but i guess that makes people happier doesn't it i wonder like how actually that has manifested in terms of mindful or even mental wellness in terms of people in these workspaces? I think it does. Uh, as I mentioned, one part is how do you manage the heat and light? So that's mm. where uh, facades or blinds play a role. There's another element which is gaining more traction now is about the acoustics inside. Yes. Because we should My not, space. Yeah. Because we should not forget that the moment 
we create open spaces while we are building a good element of interaction between people but more interaction in a way has more sound mm. i won't say noise because noise for me is a negative word of sound so but if you don't have good i would say acoustics or insulation i am not saying sound proofing i'm saying sound absorption or mm. a good way to manage acoustics then lot many people talking creates noise and even though at one element we are trying to build good uh, working space between people at the same time if we are not able to hear each other then we are also creating another elements of headache stress yeah. uh, because we are not able to focus what we have to do so this is also becoming a key element now when people the designers are working on the interiors acoustics is gaining lot of traction people def- ask sports halls sports stadiums offices mm. what can i do that it does not look to as a sore in front of my eyes that okay it's a it's a acoustic panel i have put but can i integrate with the design of the whole office or home or a hotel lobby that people don't even realize but they feel comfortable so mm. it's a comfortable noise rather than a bad um, noise which is which is nobody is able to be help, uh, you know comfortable and not able to understand or speak to each other and mm. and that that really affects uh, people mentally because Absolutely. In, uh, wellness is okay how i feel sun on my body uh, uh, do i have glare can i interact easily can i talk to people can i still focus on my work so all these elements kind of converge uh, and this is happening a lot uh, still a long way to go but uh, you see more openness towards talking about those products or towards talking about those solutions if we were to go into your average co-working space now and i've worked in quite a few over the years and fair enough a lot of these are quite new and very bare bones mm. but there's very little attention paid to acoustics yes. and even no knowledge of it to be honest that your average co-working meeting room is glass walls often square even worse it could be octagonal yes. and therefore you know as an engineer you already know about refraction and reflection of audio yes. how awful that becomes when it starts bouncing back on each other and then you've also got no carpeting and there's you know the ceilings often metal or some hard object and you've got a lot of hard objects in there and you know no they they tend to take out soft furnishings like you would get in hotels or houses right and i think people aren't aware just how tiring that can be all that reverb only really when you record because your brain is not actively i think this is what it is nitin that your your brain is actively filtering out reverb as if it's you know some algorithm which says that's noise mm-hmm. i'll filter it out but when you hit record and then you know you archive it to tape literally then it's not filtered out and then you can hear all this reverb and it sounds awful yeah. and your your brain is working harder to filter that out and if your brain's working harder it first of all it can't focus and it gets tired mm-hmm. and i'm amazed at how people view people are aware of acoustics in these spaces how bad they are you know i mean they're a little bit better than a stairwell or a bathroom or a sports hall for example you get in school but generally they're very bad is that just because of a lack of awareness or is it because of the cost of the materials what's the issue there actually it's both it's both um many firms i would say um only big firms in our field like architect firms really will have an acoustics department 
or an acoustics mm. uh, person expert on that so if you go to small firms it's part of the story but really nobody focuses so that's one part uh, the awareness part second part is obviously the cost but then um, at the element when we like um, when we talk of open offices now and if the end client is could be any company xyz i think if the architect or designer is able to explain that because while we are uh, having open spaces because of the new way of working i'm not talking about covid but in covid times and after covid now when companies are opening up countries are opening up they want people to come back if they uh, while open space is appreciated but as you mentioned very nicely that if they don't feel that comfort in that sense then it's mm. becoming counter intuitive and counter logical because while open space says okay there's no barriers but in the end if people don't feel comfortable you will how many people would like to come and then your productivity uh, would drop but how do you measure productivity dropping because of noise it's very difficult mm. but then the only way you can see is possibly mental wellness or physical wellness or well-being in that sense you know um so um i think uh, awareness one cost two but cost for me is again any building i've been in building materials for 20 years when you take a total cost of ownership mm. the, the good and the bad automatically shaft out you know uh, if you take at that point of time at purchase yes uh, a good product will be different price than a than a not so good product or somebody something offering good quality good features will be different the the thing is what us as companies the burden is part of our burden also and we work on that to show that a total cost of ownership now if people see uh, one is in terms of value and dollar terms but the second element now is about the wellness of people hmm. if they yeah, is able yeah. to demonstrate that uh, we are able to demonstrate light and heat acoustics is something is very thing and you're right the way people ask still we get questions how many decibel can you reduce okay. i have to, i have to tell them that we are not a sound insulator or a or a sound proofing you know and uh how much decibel depends on what is the level of outside noise right in a balcony if i put a blind if i if at midnight you ask me to measure oh it will be absolutely silent but on office hours the decibel reduction will be intangible so so but that's but, always been nobody understands the challenges of an engineer do they yeah yeah it's it's fascinating i mean you know you look at big companies like sap for example they spend a billion dollars a year on employee retention So you can imagine how much of that would go for all these sort of large consultancies or any large multinational on for example wellness and that is an increasing part of it and it could be for example the environment in which those people are working i think less now people are worrying about creating these gamified offices you know with the ball pits and the slide and you know the the xbox lounge maybe those are still there but people now thinking when especially now after the pandemic that will I go back to work and you've got the option i think in a lot of big companies not to why would i go back to work it must be shifting the focus of the office from less about this sort of productivity cubicles to more like a hotel i guess where you can go into it. people meet in hotels all the time for business yeah, don't they because the environment's better absolutely you see deals happening all the time over yes. coffee and tea in mm-hmm. hotel lobbies mm-hmm. I think that's the future of work in terms of the workplace. I wonder if you've got a, a view on this like how those workplaces are evolving and what will change particularly in the context of the environment 
that the workers will go back to? I I I would say this is one thing we have been seeing in the last one or two years, even in our own companies. Um, the spaces which we are defining now is much more open space, and mm-hmm. um, and rather than saying okay, having a cabin, okay, some positions, some uh, functions may still have it because of confidentiality and other things. But more and more, the element of coming is small cubicle meeting rooms, right? Okay, you need a space, you can, uh, or you need to do a call, you go there. Otherwise, um, you know, you can just sit on whichever chair is available because everybody has a laptop now. Hmm. Nobody works with a, um, you know, like, like we say, the old age computer, which is set on a table and everything, right? So you could you could do that. So that is something we are definitely seeing um, across. Um, and um, what that is affecting is definitely it's affecting how, how the space is being designed, you know, and you're right. Glass is becoming a very redundant thing, at least inside the office, you know, really? uh, because uh, again, glass barriers, if you create, what's the use? I mean, if you're creating an open space, right, they are not running mm. from floor to the, to the, uh, till the ceiling anyway, right? Um, it's, it's, it's this, um, I mean, if you create in front of you again, then, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's serving no purpose. So, uh, more about the design, uh, in a way I'm, I'm talking to many people when I talk to them, they say, uh, and even um, sometimes um, uh, key positions or key bosses who maybe have to travel also, they will not have a room. Either. Mm. They will just say, okay, I sit here or I'm sitting in this meeting room or in somebody else's room, uh, whatever. So that's also, I would say, giving an element one that in a literal sense, you're breaking walls, right? Uh, mm. But at the same time, as a culture of working also, I think the, those hierarchical things, they exist, they will exist because companies need to have people with certain titles and positions. But in the way, even though it exists and the new generation also is much more free-minded, how you interact, that's also changing the way you want to build a culture of a company. You know, mm. you don't mm. want oh, a, a vice president sits only in this room, right? Yeah. You want, okay. In the corner I, office. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can just walk to that person, have a chat, mm. or let's go to the coffee machine. Let's sit on a small circular table and uh, you know have a chat and discuss so it is changing uh, it's changing a lot i would say across uh, covid obviously has also forced hands now if um, companies are agreeing that x number percentage of people will never come back and that's what we are reading articles across the world mm-hmm. so obviously people are either uh, downgrading to a, sh- a smaller office or uh, you know designing offices in a different way that uh, uh, whoever is coming, uh, I mean, they can not only save money, but also create a nice space for people. So it's giving opportunities for companies also to rethink everything, really yeah. rethink everything. I like this idea of rethink. There's this uh, engineering principle that form dictates function in that, for example, if you were to take a spoon, there's no way you could use a spoon and eat it upside down. It's obvious that that's what a spoon does to scoop something. Sure. So the way you design dictates how it gets used in the same way that now there's a real mindfulness about how we're creating places of work because how we create them and the materials we use and the layouts dictate the interactions and the conversations of the company. Like you say, the the vice president, if he's tucked away in the office with the high back chair, you know, that creates a type of behavior, doesn't it, around Absolutely. that person. And Absolutely. if we create this open workspace, that also creates a different kind of 
interaction. And it's just fascinating how that is evolving now. And it's not happening in, you know, very hard steps. It's a slow process. And obviously the pandemic's expedited that. And just sort of rounding up, I just know we didn't talk about the data, but I think it's important to put in here. There was a study by Udemy, the online learning platform, a couple of years back, and they talked about workplace distractions. And they surveyed people about what were the biggest workplace distractions. And the first one when they said was um, the number one reasons why meetings didn't get done was small talk and gossip. So you can imagine that's kind of very much built around the interactions that you have in the workplace as well. And 54% of people said that social distractions meant that they were not performing as well as they should have done. So, you know, half the people were saying that they're getting held back by noise, chit chat, distraction, all that kind of thing going on. But here's the interesting thing, Nitin, is that the top two solutions that they wanted out of their employers were as follows. Number one was allow flexible scheduling. I think we're there now. But the number two was establish designated spaces for quiet and away from noise where they could get into effectively what is deep work. And that sort of brings us all the way back to the meditation, I feel. These are almost like meditative spaces. Can you create those mindful spaces in work? What would it look, feel, sound like? So if you had any budget, I know this is an engineer's dream. <laughs> it could go the wrong way. But if you had any kind of budget to design a space for quiet, focused, undistracted work, what would it look, feel, sound like? Well, um, you stressed upon an interesting one. In fact, um, within our own heartfulness group, we were talking about something like that. We just recently saw a company, I don't remember the name. They've created some pods in a mall. And we were just wondering, um, I mean, we do so many sessions, meditation sessions for companies. Possibly we were thinking to propose to some of them that why don't you create meditation pods mm. in your uh, in your uh, uh, offices, you know, um, and um, and this just gives a person a time to go there, uh, take out time to possibly uh, be with oneself. It's not about like a work space to concentrate or focus on the work. It's just that, OK, I have 15 minutes rather than sitting on my chair, but I'm still hearing a lot of noises coming. Let me go, you know, kind of as we talked about detach or disconnect myself to feel connected with my inner self, find a space and go there, you know, and uh, whoever comes, it could be 10. I mean, it could be a room also. I'm I'm saying it could be a, you could name it a certain kind of a contemplation room or a meditation room mm. or an introspection room in that sense where you have chairs, but people come silently sit and whoever wants to sit for whatever time sits and goes out or you could do small cubicles of as we say, pods. And uh, I mean, you have hotels as pods now, if you see in Japan and everywhere you talked mm. about Japan. I mean, why can't you do similar instead of a horizontal one, you just make it vertical <laughs> standing. <laughs> right? There you go. Maybe, You're uh, onto something. Yeah. In that sense, uh, could be interesting. Could be interesting. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, that would be interesting, isn't it? If you can create a workplace, which is actually less distracting than home. Now you've got an interesting proposition that people want to work from home because office is too distracting, too noisy, not managed environment. But actually now everybody's working from home. You've got the kids, the dog, the laundry in the background, people at the door. You might think, actually, I want to go to the office because it's 
the place I can get work done. I can go and relax, focus, and just attend to what needs to be done. That would be an interesting proposition. I think if we're at that point, then we're winning. Then there's still a place for the office in the future for the next generation. Absolutely. And we should not only forget that um, not only we are looking for calmness and distraction, less distraction, but in the end, as a human being, we want to be connected, right? Mm. Connected is not, I mean, I have not seen you uh, physically, but I would love to sit down face to face with you and have a coffee. You know, there's Mm. a different element of that, right? So whoever I speak to, whichever companies, when I'm doing meditation sessions with them, everybody says, yeah, we would love to come back to office at least, you know, okay, timings may change, number of days may change, obviously, each company will have its policy, but people are missing that human touch. And it's also important that also keeps you going, right? I mean, in the end, so so a workspace where you have a balance of both would be, I would say an ideal one. But at least the I mean, there's nothing good about COVID, but I would say at least it set the ball rolling for people and companies to think about that. Earlier, we were thinking, okay, I know uh, in France, in my company, in head office, there has been an initiative even before COVID that one day of the week, you could decide and you could, uh, company was happy to support you that you could work from home. Who thought that that one day Mm. would be replaced by five days in a week in the the last uh, one and a half years. Yeah. So, so, but I think there's a, there's a balance which could be had. Mm. And I think companies are moving on that, that, okay, maybe work two days from home, come three days to office and people will be open to that uh, because the human interaction is, is something is that natural instinct, right? Mm. We want to be connected. Now, if you create a space also, which is comfortable space, as you mentioned, mindful, heartful space where you are integrating all elements of a human being, then I think we have a good uh, formula, I would say. Hmm. Absolutely. Wonderful. And what a positive future that is, given everything that's happened. If that's what we can get out of it, really, we've graduated from the industrial era. Those computers on the table, cubicles that we've all grown up with, right? to something that's actually very mindful and heartful as well. That would be a good outcome. Nitin Govilla, everybody, really enjoyed this conversation. Really, you know, we got deep on the subject and I think it's a subject that a lot of people would be interested in. So where do people find out more about you? <laughs> okay, I mean, I'm sure um, we, I, I mean, LinkedIn is one page where you would know more about me yep, as a professional do. also. And I think LinkedIn now gives you a chance to also write something more about oneself, not only your work experience, but there are possibilities to write more. So that's uh, one thing. Um, uh, people can obviously contact me or write to me uh, through email or or um, or I'm also on Facebook, but then that's more of a personal thing. I would say as professionals, uh, LinkedIn is the best uh, we'll place to contact there. me. Yeah. There you go. Nitin Gavilla. Nitin, thank you so much for today really good conversation and hopefully there'll be more in future graham thank you very much and thank you for taking the initiative to invite me on a very interesting topic i would say and um, as i mentioned i was initially a bit nervous but you really made me very comfortable that everything just flowed naturally uh, in that thing and thanks a lot credit to you graham and thank you for taking this initiative two years back who would have thought about that somebody would be doing podcasts like this or somebody would actually create a model business model i would say to encourage people like me i mean in that we see a lot of big leaders 
doing podcasts and yeah. thought leaders but people like us uh, to be to be able to get an opportunity to talk and converse uh, thanks a lot graham for that you've been listening to the excel podcast with me graham brown to subscribe and discover more conversations go to www.xlpodcast.org